Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Tonight, here's what's ahead. The Chartmaster, sounding the alarm on the dollar. Why Carter Worth is seeing trouble in the charts and how you can play it. Plus, NVIDIA jumping after announcing a four-for-one stock split. And Tony Zhang says next week's results could send this semi-stock even higher. How he's positioning for a chip rip. And later, Mike Coe is going back to basics. Why he's bulking up on Costco calls ahead of earnings. He'll lay out the trade. It's time to risk less and make more. Options Action starts right now. Let's get right to it. We are gearing up for another big week of retail earnings with big names like Nordstrom, American Eagle, Costco, and Gap all reporting results. And the Chartmaster is in a shopping mood. He says one name in the space is about to rack up some big gains. So, Carter, why don't you kick us off? Well, we're going to look at Costco. And obviously, this is really, as much as anything, it's a grocery store. Um, but in line with last week's judgment about staples, and it was a very defensive week, we know, Right, all the cyclical sectors were down, all the defensive sectors were up. Uh, we think Costco uh, pops on its earnings. Let's look at a few charts. The first one, just to put the whole thing in context, this is a long-term chart that picks up the 2007 peak, which you can see there, and the bear market low of 09. So you're talking about a stock that loses 50% of its value. And then it has been in this perfect, literally perfect, 45-degree angle straight up, a beautiful channel, and it's been a 10-bagger. Its low was $40, and essentially it's at 400 versus the S&P since the 09 low, which has been a 5-bagger. So, I mean, this is the champion by any measure. Now, the more immediate charts, I think, are what are interesting. Let's look. I have a few. The first, a one-year chart. No judgments or annotations by me. But what you do see, of course, is that plunge and ricochet. That drop from essentially December 1st of last year to the March low of this year, right back to where we are now, is very symmetrical. Basically three months down, three months back up, down 20%, back to where you started. So now we approach that level with earnings. Take a look at the next chart. You can draw the lines this way, which is to say it's an ascending wedge, it's a prospective breakout candidate, Next chart, you can draw the charts this way. You can call it a head and shoulders bottom. Final chart, the last two combined. So essentially, you have Costco at 380, and we're thinking it does break out on its earnings. We're looking for a, it's a low beta kind of thing, 3 to 5% move. Now, I know the people at home may not be able to tell, but Carter is very excited about this trade just by the language he used to describe all the charts. So, Mike, what is the trade? Yeah, so take a look at Costco. I mean, this is one of my Holly index names. I'm a big fan of the company. I think many people are. This is actually, as we're looking at retail companies, many of which got slayed last year, this is a situation where they actually had record earnings over full year 2020, record EPS last 12 months, also very good. Full year this year, again, looking very good. We're looking at top line growth in the high single digits, EPS growth in the low double digits consistently, and that's expected to continue. The thing I would say about it, though, right now it's trading a little more than 35 and a half times forward earnings. That is expensive to itself. Typically, the range has been more like 26 to 34, with an average of about 30. 
it is, of course, justifying that to some degree, but also we did see some volatility this week. So I have, you know, obviously the same sort of sentiments about the stock, I think, that Carter does. But the valuation is one of the reasons why I think we can take a look at options as a way to play it. Now, he was looking for a relatively modest move, 3 to 5%. That's interesting because the options market is implying 3.2%, which is exactly what the company has averaged over the past eight quarters. Now, very often when we're looking at situations like we're earnings, where we see elevated options premiums, that's one of the reasons we might look to calendar spreads or diagonals, which is the trade I'm going to use today. But actually, my reason for using it is not so much because of the elevated options premium, because they aren't really. It actually has more to do with the fact that I think that the move is more likely to be a modest one. So I was looking at the July 385, June 400 diagonal spread. And when I was looking at that earlier today, those July 385 calls, those were costing about $10.30, and the June 400s, those were about $2.57, so approximately 25% of the premium that I was spending on the longer dated option. That should take care of some of the decay that you'll see coming out of the catalyst that is earnings. But again, that's probably not going to be that big. And the other thing we did see this week, which I think was a bit concerning, we saw some fairly considerable volatility. We saw some last week as well. When you see that, that's one of the reasons why you might want to take a more cautious approach to your bullish bets, that combined with the valuation. So I think this is a way that you can risk a relatively modest percentage of the current stock price to, you know, basically to make the bet that Costco is going to continue its strong performance. Tony, what do you make of the trade? What do you make of Costco itself? Yeah, I agree pretty much all around, especially if you look at the chart here. What I really like is the relative performance of Costco to its sector, XLP. We've seen a fair amount of outperformance here over the past month, and that's the type of uh, evidence that I like to see going into an earnings event of a potential breakout here above that 385, which is a major resistance level here for Costco. And on the fundamental side, I, the membership model for Costco, I think, is going to be defensive in this inflationary environment that we're currently in, especially around grocery, where they could potentially defend their margins. And as Mike said, the top line and bottom line growth are very steady, but the, but the valuations are tough to get around. And there are some risks, in my opinion, from Walmart Plus launching and also some of the lower discount grocers right now. So for those reasons, I like Mike's trade because he's risking only 2% of the stock's value by using this diagonal spread. And I think that's the the key here is to be able to risk as, li as little as possible to play for this potential upside. Yeah, and, and sort of separately, Mike, I mean, just taking a look at how retailers have reported this past week, there have been a couple of examples of retailers actually posting good earnings, good forecasts, and the stock doesn't really react too well. Is that a concern here with Costco? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's whenever you start seeing consecutive earnings releases where the results are very strong, but the price action is very weak, it makes you a little bit concerned. And we have other reasons to be concerned. Obviously, we've been in a very prolonged and strong market for quite some time. I mean, this is a great operating business. They actually, unlike maybe a Walmart, at least in terms of their bricks and mortar business, still have some room to grow. But there are some issues. Normally, when we look at companies like this, one of the things we really like to see is online sales. But the thing is, they have relatively narrow margins. Margins are obviously one of the things that are going to price into the valuation. Online, because it obviously has a higher cost when you're delivering it door to door to door rather than, you know, basically the warehouse model, that could put a little bit of pressure on margins. So they could report some good numbers in some areas, but that could give investors pause in others. So I think you want to take a cautious approach if you're right. pressing bullish bets pretty much anywhere right now. Yep. 
All right, check out shares of NVIDIA today, rallying as a chipmaker announces a four-for-one stock split. NVIDIA reports results on Wednesday, and Tony is betting on an even bigger breakout when those numbers hit the tape. So, Tony, why don't you lay it out for us? Yeah, I took a bullish stance here for NVIDIA last quarter. Wasn't particularly great on timing, so I'm taking one more shot here at this. So if we take a look at the chart here, I first want to take a look at the Philex Semiconductor Index, which has had a very significant run last year, but we've seen a pause here this, this, since the beginning of the year, and that's fairly healthy for a continuation higher. And we started to see a little bit of outperformance here of the, uh, the Semiconductor Index earlier this week. And if we look at the chart for NVIDIA, this is a stock that has been stuck between 500 and 590 for the last nine months. But we're starting to see some breakouts here, both on an absolute and relative basis above that 590 resistance level. So that is the key that I like to see going into an earnings event. And then when you look at the business itself, NVIDIA is really firing on all cylinders, everything from the data center chips, the graphics chips for gaming, as well as even in the auto space, NVIDIA is starting to uh, gain some significant market share within those spaces. So if you look at the earnings announcement itself, the market is currently implying a 6% move, but the stock historically actually doesn't move very much, only about 3.8% average over the last eight quarters. And I have the same concerns that you had originally talked about with other uh, stocks this quarter where strong earnings, price doesn't necessarily jump significantly higher. So with that, I'm using a trade structure that accounts for that. I'm going out to June and I'm selling the 600 560 put spread here, collecting about $15.85 on this $40 wide credit spread. So I'm collecting almost 40% of the width. And this is a strategy that will be profitable as long as Nvidia stays above 585, which is just below that support level I referred to by the June expiration date. Carter, what do you make of uh, Nvidia in, in the socks? So the, I think the key here is the setup or the sequencing, and Tony's addressed that about the breakout potential. Just consider these facts. From the pandemic low to the September high of last year, the SOX index went up 100%, NVIDIA went up 225. And then that's a six month run, right? And then since then, and Tony referred to it, the last nine months after that huge move, NVIDIA is dead flat, whereas the SOX has continued up 30. So it's a rested champion. Indeed, it's in the cornerstone rested champions basket. After a great run like that, 225% in six months, you're entitled to rest, which it's done. And it's usually the rest that allows you to assert yourself again and break out. Mike, your take. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the critical things here, just from a fundamental perspective, is when you see a company that's sort of been underperforming its peers in the recent history as this one has, is there a fundamental reason why that might be the case? Are their products somehow falling out of favor? That's certainly not the case with NVIDIA, which has had a number of important new releases. In many cases, some of their new GPUs were actually almost impossible to come by, and these are nice premium products. So that, I think, is a good thing. That said, I think, you know, obviously with many names, this one included, valuation is a little bit of a concern. That's reflected a bit in the options market. That's the good news because it's reflecting some of that concern if there is some skepticism going into earnings, that actually could mean that that creates the catalyst if the news is good for it to actually go higher. And the final thing is, if just about the options trade, the nice thing about doing a trade like this is that three things can happen, as we often say. It can go higher, it can go sideways, it can go lower. Two of those, in this case, are going to be good. And, of course, if the stock does fall very sharply, 
Being short this put spread is going to risk less money than being long the stock. And of course, collecting 40% of the distance between the strikes isn't bad either. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter. Here's what's coming up next. Penny, for your thoughts on the dollar, the chartmaster is raising a red flag on the greenback while he sees trouble in the charts and how you can play a breakdown for big bucks. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. And Carter says a bigger breakdown could be in the works. So, Carter, charter course. Let's take a look. I have three charts. The first, the U.S. dollar, the second U.S. dollar, and then the instrument you can use to put on this trade. So the first chart is the, the DXY, and what you're looking at is a weekly chart going back to 2011. And you can see, right, from 75 to around 103, and that the dollar's been breaking down over the past couple of years. But the key is, at the end of last year, we broke the trend line, and it's a well-defined trend line, in effect, since the 2011 low. And then we kicked back, right, we threw back and touched the underside of the line and failed to the penny at that line. And now we're back at the lows of the beginning of the year, hovering at the 90 level. So here's the second way to look at it, this exact same chart, number two, but with the lines drawn differently. And so when you approach a prior low, and we are at the lows of three years ago, and then you bounce off them, but then you succumb and go back to those lows, that is something that is characterized as hovering ominously at well-defined intermediate lows and 52-week lows with the prospect of breaking. And so look at the UUP. Uh, you can use this as your vehicle. Remember, currencies don't move. They're very low beta. And so this is why you do want to use options. But the UUP essentially uh, is hovering at 24, close at 24.22. And we think it breaks. And we think you can get 23 out of it, dollar weakness. Has been the case, more to come. So, Mike, what's the trade? Yeah, so, I mean, the fundamental story, I mean, a lot of people have heard this already. We have recently been seeing some signs of inflation, I think probably bigger signs of inflation than we've seen in a very long time. I think the Fed, it's well known, at least Fed speak, appears to be complacent. And on top of that, we have sort of fiscal policy initiatives that look overstimulative in that context, in my view, with some of the GDP growth figures that we're seeing in conjunction with some of the inflation numbers that we're seeing. Now, as Carter pointed out, uh, currencies don't move that much. UUP doesn't move that much. It's not a highly volatile instrument, and consequently, options are not that expensive. You need to give yourself time for a trade like this to play out. And in this particular case, of course, since we're near the bottom, I think it doesn't make sense to obviously just go ahead and short it because there could, of course, be a, a risk-off scenario that might protect the dollar in the short term. But I was looking out to September, the 24-23 put spread, essentially targeting a break through that 24 level to the 23 target that Carter was talking about. And when I was looking at that earlier today, the 24 strike puts were about 27 cents and the 23 puts were about $0.08. Cents. Now, in strict dollar terms, those are cheaper options than we typically would think about buying or selling. But of course, remember that the way you think about that option you're selling is in the context of the price of the one that you're buying. So it is actually mitigating a good amount of that premium. And then, of course, 
raises the break point, the break even point of this trade a little bit higher. But I think, you know, we've had a lot of warnings about potential inflation. They haven't transpired over the course of many decades now. But just because people warn that skating on thin ice is a dangerous thing to do and you haven't yet doesn't mean it won't happen. Yeah. Uh, Tony, what do you make of this trade? Uh, so whenever we look at the dollar, I tend to look a little less towards the charts and a little bit more towards the macro themes. And when we look at the dollar index, we have to understand what we're, uh, especially with UUP, what you're investing in. And that's the dollar index, which has a 58% weight to the euro dollar. And then when I look at the euro dollar, I really have two reasons to be fairly bearish on the euro dollar, which is actually bullish for the US dollar. And those two reasons are the fact that German bonds are currently yielding negative 66 basis points but the US dollar is yielding 16 basis points. That's an 80 basis point carry in favor of the US dollar. And the European economy is simply just on a shakier recovery path than the USD. So for those reasons, I'm more bullish here on the dollar. However, I will admit that these are macro themes and macro themes are not particularly good from a timing perspective. So if you look at the charts that Carter was referring to, you do have this massive support level that is at risk of breaking below that. And for those reasons, I really like Mike's trade because he's risking only 1% of the ETF's value and he can get paid about four to one if it does break that support level. And I do admit if we break below 20 I do think we're quickly going to reach 23, which is the, uh, the lower strike on that put vertical. Mike, did you want to respond to Tony's uh, macro thesis? Yeah, so I mean, just, just with respect, I mean, first of all, I mean, when I think about uh, the Eurozone, obviously it's, it's got its strongest uh, basically constituent, which is Germany. And from a fiscal standpoint, I don't view them to be in quite the rocky position that, that we are, right? So we've been creating a lot more spending, essentially catching up on a GDP base to a lot of European countries, but we don't have the tax base to support it. And we're now getting to relatively precarious levels of debt to GDP, in my view, and we are the reserve currency. And really, it's a move away from that that I think that could really be the tipping point. I don't know that, that that's necessarily going to happen this week, next month, or whenever, but we certainly are in a course that puts that kind of possibility at risk. All right. Up next, where's the magic in Macy's? The company knocking it out of the park with earnings this week, but the stock failed to hold on to gains. We've got a trade update on Macy's straight ahead. Plus, got a question, tweet us at Options Action, and you just might get your answer on air. We are back right after this. Article on 34th Street. Right now, the options market's implying that this is a name that could move more than 10% just next week after they report earnings. And, you know, there's a real sort of bifurcation in the market right now about the view on this stock, because, of course, they do have some credit concerns, has a tremendous amount of debt, yet the stock has held up pretty well. So the street pretty much doesn't like it, and yet the price has held up. And that indicates, in conjunction with a relatively high short interest, that basically this whole situation of high debt, high leverage, uh, is maybe something to be taken advantage of if you think that you get an upside surprise coming out of earnings. Well, I was looking at the July 1622 call spread today. Now, the stock was trading around $18. Well, Macy's delivered blowout results but could not hold on to its initial gain. So, Mike, what do you do with this one now? Yeah, I mean, it was trading around $18 right ahead of this, and now it's trading $18.20 as of uh, the close or thereabouts. Look, we had, a, we had a thesis. We're basically sideways on the trade right now, but the catalyst we were looking for has come and gone. And I still think some of the operational concerns that a lot of people have shared about this uh, are real. So, you know, I was, I was playing for earnings. 
it basically came out of pair of twos. My, in terms of price action, my view is that uh, we just close this one and, and look for better opportunities. Yep. Up next, your tweets and the final call. Trend line. Is the thesis from last week's trade still intact? Thanks. Tony, why don't you tackle this one? Yeah, so the thesis is still intact, but I will say the break above that trend and the $38 resistance level is concerning. But because we have defined our risk here with an options trade, I am holding on to this. If we do lose about 50% of the premium, then I would cut this and, and move on to the next trade. All right. Uh, Carter, I want your quick take on this chart. Well, nothing much changed. So yeah. in that sense, stay, stay and play. <laughs> That's a good one. Time now for the final call. Carter Braxtonworth, what do you say? Yes, Costco long, dollar long. Tony Zhang. Breakout on NVIDIA, short of put spread. Michael Cove. Diagonal call spreads in Costco and September put spreads in the UUP. All right, that does it for us here on Options Action. We'll be back here next Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Meantime, do not go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. Have a great weekend.